creatures. Banzai. It's almost like once you start doing it, I you almost have to. Like it, it, yeah. it's. He takes his hand and grabs his hat on top of his head while he's looking at it. The Black Pondo Podcast. You can ask me anything. I'll I'll talk about whatever. <laughs> nice. Okay. We could hit on, or we could discuss the topic of quality bonsai on a budget and it's a it's an interesting topic i i feel like uh the kind of like the origination for this topic came from mm-hmm. probably both of us i know when i first graduated from ucsb back in 07 that's when i got into bonsai yeah and uh at the time i mean i really did not have very much of a budget but i was mm-hmm. very passionate about bonsai was it kind of a similar thing for you? Yeah, I mean, I I started uh, right when I I graduated from high school, so not I mean at the time when you're just a student, not a lot of I mean now like of course what I I think is expensive as trees when I started versus now the perspective is different, but I mean just starting out and you're a student or you're working, I mean you you can't really afford uh, nicer material. So definitely in the in the start, it's a struggle to figure out well where where do I get trees, where do I get projects to learn on, and kind of build from there. For sure. So yeah, I mean, uh, basically, I was thinking we should talk about this from the perspective of hey, there's somebody that there's a person that is very interested in bonsai. They're very passionate enthusiast, but they're new to the hobby and have a limited budget. Uh, but they have big goals, you know, maybe yeah. say the next five to 10 years, they would like to show at a big show like the Pacific uh-huh. Bonsai Expo or the national show. That's kind of the perspective I want to take. Yeah. But I, I think it's okay. great if we talk yeah. about all different levels. So like, how uh-huh. would you do it if you had to do it on the cheap? What's yeah. like a good medium type level? Mm-hmm. And then high end, what do you think is really <laughs> solid? I mean, this is like a, a big question. So we can kind of break it down and a lot of, I guess, different focuses. Um, But say just for the scope of like your end goal in like five to 10 years to show it a major exhibition. And I I would say that's pretty realistic. That's like a a good margin that, I mean, from scratch, you could, you know, develop some material and, and have it show ready. I would say when you are buying material and especially you're starting out in bonsai, I mean, the way I kind of divide like the quality of a material in, in kind of my perspective, there's always some kind of core features of the tree that is just, I would say it's like hard to change, at least maybe within the scope of your or your life, right? For like Yamadori, or it can just be a many years or many decades project. So when I think of, say, like the trunk line, primary branches with age, right? So kind of uh, barking. We have Yamadori, we look at like the deadwood features, that raw kind of character. Um, these are things that's like the intrinsic qualities of the tree. And it's almost non-replicable, right? Where, you know, sure, there are techniques to modify the trunk and change the tree. But there's some kind of core identity that, that you know, it's, it's really, we can't do much to change it. And if we do change it, well, then it's very evident that there's been some kind of 
manipulation on the tree. That, that's another aspect we'll talk about later. This idea of natural bonsai, where it is not necessarily we're trying to emulate or mimic nature, but just removing signs that the tree has been worked and you get the sense that it's been kind of growing that way on its own. Um, so trees like that, that kind of quality of age, uh, that's something it's hard to replicate. There's not really many shortcuts uh, to produce that. So when you're purchasing material, you're identifying, well, what are these essentially core features that you will build the future tree upon that realistically, right, is something it's you're going to be hard pressed to change. I mean, maybe you can, but it could be like a lifelong uh, project. And then stuff like uh, your branching, right, you can uh, grow branching, bend branching, you can style the tree. Even we consider the scope of 10 years, which I mean, seems kind of long, but for bonsai, it's, it's 10 years is, is not that uh, long of a time. Um, those are kind of like the more, I guess, uh, immediate things that's within our scope of development. So, of course, when we're purchasing material, you really, and, and especially you're looking for value, right? Value for your money, and you're trying to develop material yourself. You don't want to focus, I call on the kind of the superficial qualities. Um, so maybe the tree's like freshly styled. It may or may not look good. Um, but that kind of final layer of development, in, in a sense, that's easy to do, right? On devel developing bonsai, that it's, you know, it's achievable within, you know, a few years, let's say like three to 10 years, depending on the type of work. Um, of just good technique and health. So, so I'm kind of like getting off track. But so when we're when and so when you want value in what you're buying, you you really need to ignore all that because if you're buying from you know auction site um, or any kind of like public viewed uh, venue or whatever, people are gonna want to fluff their material. I mean, I mean it makes sense. You want your material looking as pristine as nice as possible like impeccable styling right but really for bonsai which is you know a very long practiced and long-lived endeavor all those things are in achievable on your own so if, if you're starting out and you're doing bonsai like on like on a low budget or maybe you have no budget i mean those are things you shouldn't be focusing on at the start it's just getting that kind of core quality of material which has some kind of base and identity, kind of which shows those aspects of age. So, I mean, that's kind of, I've kind of like spreading too thin. So let me, let me know if I'm getting off track um, or, or if this makes sense. Uh, no, that's, that's fantastic, man. And uh, I am a hundred percent, you know, if I were to sell a tree, let's say a juniper, for example. Yeah. I'm going to clean up the lifeline. I'm going to paint the yeah. dead wood. I'm going to wire and yeah. style the branches and make it yeah. look pretty. And as uh -huh. I feel like people should, you know, yeah. Yeah. that's how to get the most money for a tree that's that right. you would be selling. Uh -huh. However, I think one of the points that I really like that you hit that I think a lot of newer people into bonsai may <clears> not realize is just that the value of a tree is really within the trunk, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Would you yeah. agree? I mean, yeah, definitely and, mm -hmm. go for it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I mean, that's, I would say that's 
mostly true. I mean, kind of like, and when you say trunk, that's kind of the same idea I was, I was talking about, just the core identity of the tree. I mean, parts that you just can't easily grow or change within a reasonable time. I mean, that's kind of the obvious reason why people like and collect Yamadori, because that quality from nature really is non-replicable in the human lifespan. In that sense, it's kind of priceless, right? It's like invaluable. Um, so even though, let's say for the scope of junipers, the branch development, path development is going to be the same for, you know, a juniper of the same species, um, right? That trunk is what gives the tree its identity and character. So that's like, um, I would say, definitely, yeah, when you're buying material, you you need a kind of zone in and focus on these things because especially starting out um, it's very easy to be I'll say like distracted or swayed with oh wow this aesthetic is like really nice or this tree looks like super cool this way but it's I always tell um, so I give I give like purchasing advice for everybody who's like my student or study groups or customers so they'll always ask me like should I buy this tree or should I buy? And uh, I mean, I'll tell them just up front that you just, you have to look beyond the silhouette, right? What do the branches look like? Uh, how's the quality of the trunk? Um, because over the scope of the bonsai's lifespan, realistically, the style and branches can change over time, which depending on the tree could be a good or bad thing. Um, but right, it's like the, the trunk and those core features that it's going to be that common denominator over time. So if it still sucks on like day one, I mean, no matter how good that styling is, it's kind of the limiting factor for its upper potential. Most definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. The trunk is one of the hardest things to change significantly. You can grow it, you can thicken it, but yeah, generally that makes the branches and, and, it, it makes the tree grow out of shape very quickly. Exactly. Yeah, I would say yeah. it's like trunk is the, the hardest thing to change, followed yes. by nabari and then branching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, <clears throat> the value is really in the trunk. If you have a very mm-hmm. a high quality trunk, you can make a really nice high quality tree. If you have a low quality trunk, mm-hmm. hard to make a very high quality tree. And I mean, that, sure. those are... I mean, I'll say, yeah, generally that's true. I mean, but also since we're on the discussion of kind of bonsai on a budget, it's not that if you did start with cheaper material or something with not an impressive trunk, that it's not possible to make a nice tree over time. But say if you're starting from a more like raw state, as in the tree doesn't have an identity yet. And I'm not speaking about uh, styling, uh, more so just talking about those core features, right? The trunk and whatnot you build upon. I mean, those are things you can still create. I mean, but it just, of course, the, it can, depending on the type of tree, can take a lot of time. I always like looking at um, uh, like forest compositions as a good example of trees that bear some kind of identity and character, but in a sense can be started from a cheaper material, but still have a very high kind of upper limit in terms of potential. I mean, if you look at forest compositions and you start with, I mean, you can start with very young material, right? Like seedlings, saplings and whatnot, where if you're making a composition where the the focus is not just the identity of a single tree, 
but is then layered out by all the different subjects you place in the planning, it becomes less important that your tree has this very impressive individual character. And then you can utilize creating basically a composition that aids to that whatever visual interest. But then the material you use, right, it may just be some juniper cuttings or some young plants you grew, which over time, right, actually you can make excellent trees out of that. Um, so I'll say there is ways to be creative in terms of ideas of what you're making, of course, sourcing the material as well. Um, but it, but you always will have an advantage, but if you can start with that, a higher base quality. For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And I, I really want to back up for, for a second. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we just sorry, jump yeah. right into yeah, it. No, yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I think it's because we're both just super passionate about bonsai and about trees. Yeah. Uh, but I do want to talk about trees. I want to talk about education, bonsai mm-hmm. education. How do you learn about trees, mm-hmm. about tools, yeah. soil, fertilizer, all like basically uh-huh. everything from a budgeting yeah. perspective, but really want to uh-huh. back up first and just say, ask you the question, do you think that bonsai on a budget or quality bonsai on a budget is a good thing? Like, should, should we even be focusing on this? Hmm. So what's your thoughts there? I mean, so irrespective of cost, right? We can, we can like define quality as a measure separate than cost, right? Uh, because the, the monetary, monetary cost of something It'll be a little bit subjective. Also depends where you live and how accessible it is. You can buy trees. So that's like, it's a little like convoluted. We can say, oh, this tree is worth a thousand. Some's going to say it's 500. Uh, some other guy might try to sell it for 5,000. And they may have some varying justification for why. Um, so that's kind of too hard to argue and discuss. So I think it's better we then just take the approach of just what is like, quality bonsai because one guy's budget is going to be different than another person. So hard to establish than what is like cheap, quote unquote, cheap bonsai. So I'll say, but in, in that scope, yes, you can have nice bonsais for cheaper, right? In the sense that if you are uh, resourceful in terms of the material you look for, and then allocating your time efficiently in terms of, well, you buy material that has, say, good core identity and trunk features, but maybe all the other stuff is not developed. So that brings the cost down and you invest your time in the quote unquote uh, short term aspects of tree building, like the branches and whatnot, that then is very achievable in that, say, five year or whatever scope. Um, in that sense, you can get the highest quality tree with the least um monetary effort invested. But for me, I would say the biggest quality outside of say like the trunk and whatever that that really determines tree value for me is age. And and how well does a tree convey age? It's not that your bonsai is physically old, which say in the case of Yamadori, it, it can be right immensely old. Um, but is it old as bonsai, right? Has it been developed as a tree for a long time? And can you tell that it has been developed for a long time? Because it's one thing where you've been working on a tree for 30 years, but say the applied technique or work has to get rebuilt every three years, even though you worked on that tree for 30 years, it may not bear that 
30 years of accrued age. Um, so when I think of like quality bonsai, I think of trees that express age well. So there's some sense of maturity and quote unquote uh, naturalness, not speaking to like naturalistic bonsai, right? Like emulating nature, but just natural in the sense that it's not obvious that the tree has been manipulated and contorted by some, you know, exterior source. It feels as if the tree has been growing in that intended form. So I think regardless of your budget to start, right, if you can understand these, like, I would say these core aspects and the, I would say this identity in bonsai, um, then from any starting point, you can produce a quality tree, right? It's not un unattainable. And especially if you're starting out young and you're serious and you're in bonsai for the long haul, there is like no reason why you can't have like nice trees that you've made yourself e even on a low budget. I mean, as I've gotten more into bonsai over the years um, and then over just like working and saving my own money, I mean, my my budget for trees have gone up, but I also have trees which started as very cheap or free, like no cost projects that are slowly over time becoming good, um, which have potential to potential to mature. That's kind of like broad, though, because we can then talk about, well, like, what are the starting points? And then where do you buy material, right? So this, this is a, a huge question. For sure. Yeah, so many, so many great uh -huh. points there. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I guess going back to my initial question, mm -hmm. I, I, I kind of feel like, uh, like you, you shouldn't necessarily always be, you, you shouldn't be trying to do bonsai on the cheap in every yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like there are areas where you absolutely should try and save your money and mm -hmm. put money into these specific areas. But then there's yeah. other areas yeah. where maybe it's not a bad idea to save some money. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. guess yeah. One, <laughs> one aspect within my life or one way that I think about things is mm -hmm. if you're really passionate about something, if you yeah. really absolutely love it, mm -hmm. you should 10x your energy and your money and time. <laughs> into yeah, that area yeah. and uh -huh. then figure out other areas within your life where you can cut things out. And definitely yeah, when it comes yeah. to spending money on things, I think that uh, mm -hmm. I would like to see if someone's really passionate about bonsai is put more money and time and effort into that and then yeah, yeah. reduce other areas. I uh -huh. think that will really help you catapult your goals. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a, oh, sorry, you go, go ahead. No, go for it. <laughs> no, I mean that that's like a, a great point and I mean the the and that's like why I didn't want to describe quality bonsai as being cheap or expensive cuz I think quality bonsai will just be quality bonsai irrespective of the cost. That's just a a basis for how we can identify what good trees are. Um but hold on, I lost my train of thought. Um Oh my God! So there's, it'll come. It'll come back to me. You go. You can go ahead first. Just, <laughs> well, there's yeah. so much variation yeah. in how people value and price mm -hmm. trees within the U.S. Yes. too, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, like yeah. prices are all over the place, and yeah, yeah, I get the reasons why. But um, yeah. yeah so I, I don't necessarily think that you should 
try and be really cheap and and save mm-hmm. every penny when it comes to bonsai if you have yeah. big goals with bonsai. Yeah. But at the same yeah. time, I do think that there are areas where it would be a better idea to put your money into as mm-hmm. a po- and, and then there are certain areas where maybe it doesn't matter so much. Like yeah. if you're just starting out in bonsai, you don't need like a full line of mas- Masakuni bonsai tools, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. We can get by with yeah. <laughs> with other yeah. stuff. Yeah. But maybe putting money into a high quality tree and into education, maybe mm-hmm. that is a good thing to do. Yeah, and I guess another concept that I that I would say is I feel <laughs> like you either pay with many things in life, either with mm-hmm. money or with time. Oh yeah. That, and effort, that's exactly right? what I was going to say. Yeah. Nice. It's like, <laughs> because, yeah, because, uh, I mean, trees can be expensive, especially I'm talking about this concept of age because it's, it's just the time it takes to produce some things. And there's a lot of aspects in bonsai where they, I would say there's not true shortcuts, uh, expediting some processes is just trading off one thing for another. Um, so really, when you're buying trees, you're paying for the time that right somebody grew it, developed uh, their expertise and care. Um, so, so I would say it is definitely in in bad faith to think you can get high quality bonsai without investing time and without investing money, right? It's going to be one or the other, and the time aspect can then be on your resourcefulness and your uh, passion in terms of how much you want to explore in bonsai yourself. Um, but if time is right not so available or you have more pressing uh, issues or, or kind of areas you need to invest your time in life, um, then, of course, it makes sense, right? Then you have to pay then essentially you're paying more upfront because that time is then being then shouldered upon somebody else's uh, expertise and time. Um, and that's like very like normal, uh, reasonable thing to expect. That's just like everything, not, um, not Absolutely. just bonsai. But, but yeah, people think like they're going to have fantastic quality trees without investing on either side. Then that, then that is kind of being dishonest. I would say then that's not possible. For sure. For sure. Cool, man. Well, uh, all right. So the first topic I wanted to pick your brain on and, and discuss is uh, bonsai education. And I guess yeah. just kind of starting starting off, I'm going to say like, mm. this is definitely an area where I would highly recommend people actually put money into. Maybe this is not mm-hmm. where you want to save a bunch of money. Yeah, I think learning bonsai and maybe finding a good teacher could absolutely get you like light years ahead of where you'd be at if you didn't have a good oh, yeah. teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess with that said, my first question for you is how, how would you determine if you were a, uh, just getting into bonsai, how would you determine if someone is legit or not legit when it comes to so, bonsai? Yeah. So <laughs> I wanted to like kind of preface this, uh, question because there's, um, I can't remember what it's called right now, um, but there's like some kind of curve that is basically describing like the trend between like human, uh, uh, like kind of the confidence versus knowledge or like their their perception of ability, right? Not their like necessarily the aptitude. 
And then so I, I will like find what I what this is called later. Um, but it's like a big thing. You can Google that. I just can't remember right now. Um, but it's kind of like in the beginning, right? Um, you're building experience and you're building knowledge. But when you start out, um, especially as a beginner enthusiast or in any kind of practice and endeavor, it's like the scope of knowledge is so broad that you can't even understand like what, like you just don't know what you don't know, right? So it's possible, it's impossible for you to kind of gauge then what's good and what's not good. So in this kind of um, graph, and then I'm sure some people will know what I'm talking about, but it's like this like sharp peak that rises really quickly, where essentially your your confidence, your perceived ability and knowledge is like really high, but your actual knowledge is like really low and they call it like the peak of stupidity. Um, and then you take a deep <laughs> dive there when you realize like, holy crap, I don't know anything. I'm just like dumb. And then you kind of build this progression over time where your knowledge gives you better discernment in terms of right how to progress yourself further, access resources. And then it's just like the slow progression after this kind of uh, peak where you dropped off and then you start building true uh, skill and knowledge. So at least so in my case, and I'd say most enthusiasts starting out, the volume of information out there now is just like so immense that, I mean, it's just kind of like overwhelming. And if you have, of course, when you start out, you don't have any basis for, you know, what is good bonsai, what is not good bonsai. So it's kind of not possible for you to determine at that stage. So I think in the beginning, and especially when we're trying to encourage and work with new uh, bonsai enthusiasts, um, it's really the wrong ap approach to like, go um, just crap on some like whatever, like newbie and bonsai, like, oh, this is your tree is terrible. Like your skills suck, you don't know what you're doing, because it's just like, it's just that's how it's going to be. So I'd say in the beginning, it's you shouldn't even worry about what is good bonsai and not good bonsai. There's just a stage where you are just accruing information to just give yourself a base um, to work on. Um, mm. So I'd say like starting out, right, that's, that's just not possible. You just if you have the eagerness to learn, I'd say that's the most important. Um, and you can start building that kind of basis and skill set. I'd say once you're at a stage where, you know, you can understand all of these kind of basic concepts of bonsai, just some ideas of how people make trees, um, I, I'd say that's when it can be worthwhile to seek out a teacher. And in seeking out a teacher, I mean, the best way to go about it is just find somebody who has trees you like, right? I mean, you don't have to think about it very deeply. Like when you're starting out, like, oh, this guy locally has these amazing looking trees. Um, well, let me see if I can learn from him. And, and it's not to say that's like the be all end all of bonsai, but you can then get a base to see, well, what does this guy do to make his trees look the way they look, regardless of whether it's good or bad. And I think once you start getting to that point where now you're discerning if I do this work and this technique, there's this kind of result on the tree, then you can start getting some kind of gauge for, well, what do you like? And, and maybe it's not just all like 
subjective, right? Because some some people will say like bonsai is like a pure art, which you know I I, I disagree, um, and I think there are some um, objective irrespective of the style of the tree there are some kind of objective uh basises to kind of identify qualities in the tree and and so i think your the idea is that nobody can just be all-knowing and a master at the start but you are just accruing information to better improve yourself and better inform yourself right just like how we're making trees it's like this is progression this uh process building so yeah, I don't know if that kind of answers your your question, but yeah, but but I think in the start, it's like not possible for somebody who's just started in bonsai to discern who's a good teacher, who's not a good teacher, what's quality bonsai, uh, what's not. I think the scope of knowledge is just too big that maybe starting out, you might be able to understand some concepts because I mean, it all can be reasoned and, and understood but you'll just get snippets and not have the full uh, picture. So I think very hard starting out to, to be able to do that. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You you just don't know what you don't know when you're first starting out, I guess. And I would 100% agree with you. I think that you can, you, to find a good teacher, just looking at trees and seeing mm-hmm. how good someone's garden is, is extremely important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting that you said like, Maybe you start with a club member that you just look up to and you and you like that yeah. person's trees in their garden. But uh-huh. after you've learned a little bit more, say maybe that's like at, you know, three months in, yeah. maybe once you're at a year in, you start looking mm. online and you find someone that's a little bit further away from you. But uh-huh. the trees in their garden are like, <clears throat> you know, way better than that person's trees. And you can find a uh-huh. secondary teacher. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really think people are only kind of as good as the trees within their garden. And that's, yeah. that's a good way to, to judge someone ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if you're learning under someone, your trees mm-hmm. are only going to be kind of like as good as their, your teacher's trees are. Yeah. And yeah. therefore it's a good thing to, to, to look at. <laughs> yeah. That, I, I definitely would agree. And, and I have, I would say like more appreciation as I've been, practicing bonsai uh, for longer and longer. I mean, just how broad the the skill set can be. So I can say there's like a lot of value to be learned from uh, different sources and different teachers. And this is not to say that, I mean, the wrong approach about this is to like constantly flip-flop on your perspective in bonsai all the time, right? Oh, this guy says this, I have to start over and change everything. It's It's, you have to kind of, discern like why is this guy doing something this way um not just to take whatever they're telling you for granted um that way you can kind of pick people's brains and see different kind of perspectives and skill sets and and there's definitely then value to seeing different teachers and how they and how they practice bonsai nice nice all right so if let's say you found someone within a local club that you like mm-hmm. this person's trees, but you want to get to that next level. Yeah. yeah. And I would say I've, I really feel like this is a, a great area to put some money into. There's mm-hmm. a lot of good programs. Like uh, a lot of bonsai professionals have 
seasonals or um, in, yeah. Yeah. In, intensive programs or uh-huh. or maybe you want to go to Japan for a short amount of time. Personally, I feel like this is a great area to actually put some money into. If you, if you do mm-hmm. have a limited budget, just studying and learning really good quality bonsai from someone that really knows what they're doing, I, I think that's mm-hmm. the way to go. Yeah. Would like is that what you would recommend in terms of you know you want to get to that next yeah, level i mean so yeah say you're after your initial stages and just your own kind of research and exploration of course definitely like value to learn under somebody because essentially you can benefit from their it's like their wisdom and experience over time and and expedite the potential I guess, pitfalls of time that you can just uh, waste, right? So like putting work into trees with sloppy technique that doesn't pan out over time instead of trying to like, right, just like hammer the the same misshaped piece in over and over just, and, and then you have to go through your own kind of the brute force learning process of making your own mistakes. Um, that's, of course, when a teacher, right, can, can then... Um, give you that advice and wisdom in terms of, well, if you do this, there's this kind of result and, and then you save time, right. And your own, uh, kind of bonsai journey and what you invest in your trees. I mean, I mean, for me, like personally, and like when I was learning, it's, it's kind of weird because actually my first, I'll say very like, I guess teacher was when I went to Japan. And so, uh, before that I was just like, a self-practicing hobbyist. Um, so I just kind of would read anything online, watch everything on the internet. I would get books for bonsai and just mass consume like every information source all at once. And then I just like buy trees and, and test stuff out and try to learn that way. So, it, so the, I'll say like, of course, once I actually started my apprenticeship as it doesn't have to be apprenticeship, but let's just say some kind of instruction. Then it's like your your perspective, right? It's just like, it's just can be significantly broadened and you can see, well, this is what I was doing that maybe doesn't work out so well, or there's some trade-offs. So definitely, I mean, if you can, right, say like with some kind of a, a reputable professional and they have a nice garden and trees, then doing right some kind of seasonal intensive studying with somebody is really good because I mean, unless you are, and this is the other issue if you're starting out, right? Maybe you don't have access to buy nice trees, which could be pretty expensive. Um, so if you're then working on somebody and with another collection, you can have access to a lot of material you otherwise normally wouldn't see and work on. And that's definitely a, a, a means of expediting your knowledge. So I think definitely good if you can, right, to kind of like invest money in this area. Um, but then kind of going back to the the budget side, right? And then I know if you're, say you're like a student, a young professional, I mean, it's just maybe not financially feasible for everybody to spend like a weekend or a month and do some kind of intensive that, you know, could, ha- could potentially be pretty expensive. So another, I would say good resource. And I, I did a little bit of this when I was a hobbyist is depending on where you're located, see if there are any public collections. So uh, public collections always need help and they always need volunteers. 
Um, and if it's a well-run collection that's like has, I would say, I mean, the, the quality of trees is going to vary, but I would say if, as long as they have the right attitude and mindset towards bonsai, I mean, it's, it's a great opportunity to learn at, at no cost to yourself, but your time. And so that's another, I would say, resource as well. Nice. I like that. I, I've kind of forgot about that as an option, but I think that's a good one. I was going to say, I, I feel like it's a good idea to try and find some type of teacher or mentor, and whether that's in your club or a bonsai professional. I really like <laughs> yeah. the idea of a bonsai professional. If you can try and get in with that person and be valuable to them in some way, like, yeah. And I would say, I mean, definitely don't, people wouldn't want to just go up to a bonsai professional and say, teach me, don't charge me, (laughs) you know, that's, that's very unfair and one-sided. Yeah. But I do feel like there's a lot of bonsai professionals where if you went in, you, 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 you explain to them that, Hey, you just really want to be around trees. You want to help out in any way. I feel like volunteering for things like weeding or sifting soil Mm -hmm. or moving heavy trees, like pretty much every bonsai professional needs help with those areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you do that, you can't just expect that, oh, I'm going to start working on trees, you know, right Mm -hmm. after I do this one time. But if you really are valuable to that bonsai Mm -hmm. professional, I just think that could be a good way to to start learning and and really show them that you are interested. and, And hopefully eventually the idea would be they would kind of take you under their wing and show you yeah, some things. Yeah. I think if you're on a real budget, that might mm-hmm. not be a bad option and way to go. But I also like the uh, public collection thing. I I think that's yeah, a great yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. Solid. I mean, yeah, that's that's like a, a great point in terms of kind of like uh, mentorship and, and kind of working with others. I mean, of course, now I, I, I told you in the last podcast, uh, kind of Peter sort of did that with me. He's very... Uh, gracious when I came back from Japan and I, I knew I I still wanted to study and learn in some kind of serious capacity, not just like go straight and doing bonsai professionally. I mean, I was essentially, I just go to his uh, work days, just help him out on just any and whatever, just <laughs> whatever he wants. And, and, but then the side bonus, right, is then I can see nice trees, kind of learn about uh, his technique and what he's doing. So definitely like building that kind of relationship is, I mean, it definitely has benefited me a lot. I'm very grateful for that. But I'd say, yeah, if you're approaching any professional and I'd say like, especially I understand this like more now that I've been doing bonsai full time for the past year. I mean, I, I would, I would assume most of the bonsai professionals are like really busy in terms of their time availability, how much they're working. And so, yeah, if you like approach somebody with some sense of entitlement and you're like, well, teach me this, blah, blah, blah. I'm fastest way to turn someone off. That's just like, yeah, Yeah. that's just so disrespectful that you're taking somebody's experience and time for granted, which is a, I would say can, can be a, a painful process of (laughs) accruing experience in bonsai. I mean, a lot of effort and kind of hardship involved. And, and so it's just kind of, uh, I mean, it's like the golden rule, treat other people how you want to be treated. So approach professionals with respect. If, 
you don't mesh well with them. Don't take that personally. They could just be busy or something's going on. Um, but then if you can build these relationships, right, where you can kind of mutually benefit, especially for younger people starting out, that can be a great way um, to intensively yeah. learn in bonsai. So that's, that's a great suggestion. Our bonsai professionals must just get blown up all the time, like with mm-hmm. people asking, what do you think about this tree? Or like, oh, hey, yeah. my juniper, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yeah. are these brown needles okay on my I, juniper? I like yeah. <laughs> the number of pictures and messages yeah. that they must get yeah. is <laughs> got to be just insane. And I'm sure it would get very tiresome in answering those yeah. types of questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, I feel totally fine if they're like people I work with or I'm like kind of close to them they're like my bonsai friends and whatever no problem like like talking to them and giving them some advice here and there but it's just kind of like when I get to it if I see the message have some time then and then I I don't mind um but there's definitely like and this is something I have to I had to learn as well um there's like some some kind of boundary setting where if you're like the yes man like too much um man some people don't know (laughs) they will they will not stop so i've had a little bit of that issue sometimes people just i think take for granted that i'm just treating them very nicely and you're just asking for more and more and more um and i'll say in those cases yeah definitely don't don't do that uh because even though bonsai is like your your hobby and, and we're all very passionate about it. If it's a professional and it's their also their livelihood, right? Then kind of get, take that into account that there's some um, their own time and it's nothing personal, but something just to respect for any profession. Absolutely, man. Your your time is your most valuable asset. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's very important that you learn to say no at the appropriate times within your life. And this, this is just a yeah. <laughs> important for bonsai, but important for oh, yeah. just life, life in general. Life lessons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for sure. Cool, man. Well, kind of backing up just a little mm-hmm. bit besides a bonsai professional. I mean, there are a lot of really good online resources and, yeah. and just resources out there to learn bonsai. What are some of those resources that you like? Like where, I mean, I, I feel like the problem is if, if uh-huh. someone just starts looking up bonsai on YouTube, for example, yeah, there's some really good stuff and then there's yeah. some not so good stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like what I did when I, I started out, because I, I just quickly, I mean, when I started out, it's like, I was really just getting sucked into it. I was like, and I was, I mean, I was very enthusiastic and just, I mean, it, it was pretty much like obsession when I started out in bonsai, just had to try to learn everything I can. It's just like nonstop. But I just quickly realized, I was like, man, there's just so much information that I don't even know where to start. And kind of my my strategy to basically give me a base to work from is that before I kind of went uh, crazy on the internet, I just bought books, which is, which is right, it's going to be from one perspective written by one person, and it's going to have some kind of experience and scope in bonsai. So I think when I first started out, the book was from like a, I think a UK uh, author, Tom Tomlinson. Harry, I might have been like Harry Tomlinson, and it was um, maybe it was just like the book of bonsai, or it just said bonsai on the cover. Um, but I think I started out uh, just with like a book like that, which just basically covers all the basics, um, 
bonsai philosophy, different species and, and techniques. Um, and so you can start getting an idea of what to learn. I mean, I'll say then with YouTube, right, that's like very tough because and 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 I, and I don't want to be unfair where I say like just some information is great and some information is terrible because in the YouTube channels, I'll say the expectations of the different um, YouTube professionals and artists on there, their, their goals are, are just different. I mean, they're just operating on different interest levels in bonsai. So maybe a very serious hobbyist and practitioner will find like this uh, YouTube channel made by amateur hobbyists who's just spouting their advice. And, and it's very easy to see that and just be like, this is terrible, which, which I mean, I mean, it could, it could very well be. Um, but they are kind of like advocating for just a very casual enthusiast or maybe the non bonsai practitioner, um, which then from their That's perspective, true. people probably enjoy that. Um, so also when you're starting out, it's kind of like you're trying to find where to place uh, yourself. Are you just kind of in the beginning and it's totally fine if you're just casually getting into bonsai? Um, but then definitely as you delve more into it, you have to discern like what what is the quality of the information, right? Um, then, then that uh, definitely matters. But I think, yeah, I stuck to just, um, I remember I read that book and then um, another like online kind of blog style bonsai resource. It was, it was like Harry Harrington's website, like bonsai for me. Um, and then it was like, a pretty large like just centralization of bonsai articles and and i remember when i first started out as a hobbyist it was kind of a good i like read all of them because it just gave me a starting point just to find information which which in the beginning when you're just looking learning basic horticulture and techniques i mean a lot of these teachers the core information is generally true uh, so I, i'd say in the in the start it's it's a little bit where yeah it's like how how are they supposed to pick wh what is a good teacher or not a good teacher and then by the same token let's say the most kind of highest production quality uh youtube content or online content we have like um uh, bjorn and ryan right in their respective uh learning platforms you know i i am very willing to bet that if you took a brand new beginner enthusiast and you just put them on their platform from the get-go i mean they will feel like overwhelmed or even put off by bonsai just because the expectation is just so much higher that if you're getting a a new enthusiast and just putting them straight into that it can feel like almost like too overwhelming or kind of I hate, I hate to put it this way. This is not like a criticism, but kind of like elitist where it's like, oh, this is like, I'm like here, but they're like way up there. I can't even hmm. um, approach this. So I don't know if it's the right approach when somebody's starting out that the best teacher for them is necessarily like the highest skilled teacher. Because if you're just starting out on bonsai, it's probably like in the upper end that that knowledge is not even relevant to you yet that you're really one trying to maintain the enthusiasm, enthusiasm and passion. That's like the most important. 
And then just having the mindset of just wanting to learn and, and continuously improve. It's like the whatever, the Toyota manufacturing principle, like Kaizen or something, where it's just like constant improvement, right? And which and and so so you can adopt that principle when any kind of practice and study, something you want to learn. Um yeah, so I, I, I still I still like yeah, struggle with that question. It's like how hmm. how how are you supposed to choose what is the right uh, teacher for you? Because if we were to approach the subject as purely as a skill and knowledge based thing, like a pure uh, meto- metocracy, me, me, I can't pronounce the the um, but then then yeah, then it's just be like all the top professionals or whatever would be the teachers. Which, like, a lot of times I think, like, oh, maybe that would be a great thing. But I, I think there is some kind of uh, balance, especially people starting out, um, that the expectation can't just be so high where the new enthusiasts, it's like, well, either you're on, like, the whatever, Ryan or Bjorn camp, or you're just, like, some crappy bonsai noob who just sucks at what they do. That kind of, like, big divide is not the right approach i think um because very easy to um i would say like what's the word i'm trying to think of but it can discourage a lot of enthusiasts so yeah definitely the goal is to provide people with good quality information but not as a kind of exclusive thing uh uh what or what do you think would discourage a new person mm-hmm. just overload is it information overload like with think, uh bjorn and, be and like ryan an overload of information and then and say in like the upper end of bonsai practice like realistically when you're starting out you probably don't have half the material they're showing like or any of the material they're showing the example ah, work okay. on which if you're a professional and i understand this as well you want to show your best work and on the best trees um because of course, like who wouldn't? You want to show your ability to its highest professional and work at your highest standard. Um, but then, if you are starting out and you don't even have that kind of access or material to even do that work on, then how much relevance does it have actually to you? Um, and I think to completely ignore that, right? Then that's where you can divide the group of bonsai enthusiasts into camps of like. I would say the more you can have very experienced practitioners who are quote unquote in the know through their <laughs> professionals, friends, whatever. And then just the more casual enthusiasts who's maybe just learning from whatever articles online or a casual YouTube channel here and there. Um, but I think it's important to kind of bridge <clears throat> the gap between those two extremes. Uh, Cause we just, if we just focus only on the, the the latter or kind of the high end that's good for improving and growing the existing bonsai community like the the existing pool of members but say if the goal is then to grow bonsai as a more nationally recognized art say like in the u.s to have people take it more seriously um which across the board that'll benefit all the professionals and practitioners if there's this kind of i would say perspective shift from the public um, there's like a lot of value there, I think, um, to outside of the immediate community. Like, how do you grow bonsai? I think that's pretty important. Hmm. 
interesting points and uh the the bjorn ryan uh streaming mm-hmm. platforms thing is is very interesting i never i guess just to be very straightforward i i yeah, was yeah. thinking those are great <laughs> resources for yeah. new people oh, um i mean definitely the the quality of information is good i think they do have their own respective like beginner catered courses as well in, in which case that that probably can be suited right for the starting enthusiast um but i'm more more i just meant to dif- differentiate like people who are practicing bonsai on the high end and in terms of their experience and knowledge base and just contrasting that with the beginner enthusiast who's just like start starting from nothing right mm. and yeah. So, yeah 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 gotcha makes sense makes sense i guess mm. uh yeah, like first off, I I've subscribed to both platforms, yeah, and yeah. I really like both of them. I think that oh, they, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's great, high quality produced content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Very, very good content. But I, I mm-hmm. guess, yeah, like if you were just starting out, maybe mm-hmm. it would be a little too advanced. I mean, the majority of the videos they are working on pretty good material. Yeah. So yeah, I I could see that, and maybe more. Like 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 a larger beginner section might be good, but uh, I I do like I like those two streaming mm-hmm. sites quite a bit. I think that they have some yeah, great I mean, content the, those, on there. I I brought those up because those are probably right now the the two in 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 the U.S. I don't know other countries what other professionals are providing, um, but definitely in the U.S. the high the best like kind of online bonsai content I would say in in terms of like quality and then the skill of the professionals of course as well nice very cool so i i wrote down a list of uh good mm-hmm. free online resources that i really like oh i was yeah. hoping Love to hear them you yeah. could give me your opinion <laughs> yeah. on them and then also yeah. please add to any i like the um harry's website you mentioned earlier i think that's a great one mm-hmm. yeah uh, i it does he has quite a few like before and and after pictures right yeah yeah I mean, after I've like, especially becoming, get more invested into bonsai, I mean, it's not that I, I like, like and follow all his work 100%. But then from the perspective of me, like 10 years ago, trying to learn bonsai, I felt the blogs were a great resource just to get that kind of starting point. Yeah, yeah, very nice. So yeah, mm. speaking of blogs, uh, my number one is uh-huh. Peter T's Bonsai blog. <laughs> yes, which <yeah. laughs> he wrote while he was in Japan. It's still on his mm-hmm. his site. So if you Google yeah. Peter T Bonsai, uh-huh. I still think that is just a fantastic blog. There's lots yeah. of really good, useful information there, oh, yeah. and it's totally yeah. free. Yeah, agreed. Um, agreed. <laughs> another blog, probably there. I think I have three favorite blogs. Uh-huh. Um, so Peter T, Michael Hagedorn, number two, oh, yeah, yeah, his blog been going on for a very, very long time. Uh-huh. Such great information on there. Lots of beautiful pictures. Love his website yeah. in general. It's just on his, his, uh, website. Mm-hmm. And then I'd say probably my third is Jonas Bonsai tonight. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's been. He's probably written more articles yeah. than anybody. Probably the most, yeah, by far <laughs> the most, uh, Probably the most active in terms and substantive uh, bonsai blog on the internet right now. Definitely, yeah. definitely agree with your three three nominations for online bonsai blogs. Those are like probably the best three. <laughs> yes, 
love those three. Also yeah. love your your website. You've been adding some good blog oh, posts. Please geez. keep those up. Yeah, uh, really yeah. enjoy the deciduous one that we talked about last mm-hmm. time and uh, some really great <clears throat> information that you're sharing. So I really appreciate that. I hope you keep it up. On Bjorn's site at uh, uh-huh. ACN, ACN, I really like his guidebooks. So he has one on watering tools, uh, oh, yeah. species yeah. guides. I think uh-huh. those are good, just kind of some general information like, hey, keep your deciduous under shade cloth, you know, in the hot hot of summer. And um, uh, here is kind of just some, some rough guidelines for the specific species. I like those a lot. Um, also, mm-hmm. ASAN has some free stuff on YouTube as well, yeah, which yeah. I think is great. Yeah. And Bjorn's videos just on YouTube in general are very good. Yeah. That's probably, is that how you, you found out about ASAN? Or excuse me, not ASAN. Oh, um, Fujikawa Kokan. Yeah. Well, yeah, I definitely first knew of it from Bjorn's channel because at the time in Bjorn's early kind of the Bonsai Art of Japan uh, series, I mean, that was probably the highest quality like bonsai content on YouTube in that those span of years. Um, so, of course, not only for like myself, but many hobbyists and practitioners saw that right, and were really inspired. Like, oh, look at all these amazing trees from Japan and a video that was clean, not super grainy and fairly well produced. So there's some information and and so that definitely that was the first time I I, I found cocaine. Um, but I, I didn't think when I first started, I was like, oh, well, now I want to study there. That was just kind of coincidental later. It just happened. But but definitely was, a would say, as an early hobbyist, um, Bjorn's YouTube is definitely an inspiration just to see like such amazing trees and, and really to think about the potential in bonsai. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Nice. Very cool. Uh, yeah, Ryan Neal also has species care notes mm-hmm. on his site, which I think are great, yeah. free. Yeah. The Bonsai Wire podcasts are free. I really like those ones. Mm-hmm. I think those are fantastic. Those have yeah. uh, Jonas, Eric, Andrew, Michael, a whole bunch of hosts and other guests that are great. Um, yeah. Eric Schrader's YouTube videos are really, really uh-huh. good. I love those ones. Some Japanese videos that I really like, uh, Bonsai Shinshi, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. I love, I love that. Yeah, yeah, love that channel. Also, really good. Yeah, they have really great progressions that'll show you, mm-hmm. like at year one, two, and three, just with different techniques that are applied. They do a lot of like air layering, healing wounds, removing branches. Lots of really cool techniques are shown on that. Uh huh. Um, and then lastly, I have. Uh, a newer thing that I found. Yeah. So uh, if you go on YouTube, you can find like presentations and some uh-huh. from uh, Andrew Robson, Jonas, Bjorn. Uh, some are through the Golden State Bonsai Federation. Oh, yeah. I've enjoyed yeah. just going through those uh-huh. presentations and, and watching them. I think those are some good free information for people. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. No, Anyone's to add? I, I missed a ton, <laughs> I'm sure. but I mean, that's like... A pretty good list. I'm, I'm sure others will will pop up later on, and and so I definitely agree with all the resources you you recommended. I mean, all very excellent skilled professionals who are providing you know top quality information. Kind of going back to my point earlier. I mean, I feel it's like easy for like you or me or any like serious 
enthusiast or professional then to discern what's good information and what not. But then if we're going back to the basis of the kind of beginner, a hobbyist perspective, it's like, how do they even know to go to learn, uh, learn from these resources? So I feel that is, is still like um, a challenge where it's basically up to them to also discern. It's like you, there's kind of no way to handhold everybody through every process. I would say more so that as, if as a whole, the expectation and standard of bonsai gets higher then it's kind of irrespective of where you learn from, the information quality will will increase. Because I think, I mean, I've looked through all of those uh, professionals and resources you mentioned, especially when I was starting out as a hobbyist. But it's not like I like knew to to look at those. It's just by kind of process of elimination of just brute force <laughs> looking at everything on the internet that you come across some like great resources and blogs but but definitely um, top recommendations. I agree. Solid. Very cool. Very cool. And then I guess lastly mm-hmm. on the education thing, and if you have any mm-hmm. other points you wanted to make, would love to hear. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. what uh, like how can someone study with you right now, Julian? Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, sure. All right, yeah, I can do a do a plug a plug in. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, right now, um, I would say I I do. I want to say mostly private work. Um, but I do have, uh, study groups with, with the, with the, I, I set the calendar for the year. Um, so I actually, I have that on my website. If people just go to my website, uh, just bonsai.com, um, in the kind of class schedule, um, I'll have, I think study groups resuming from, uh, September, um, and essentially have three locations in Southern California, which is, uh, San Diego then kind of like north-ish part of LA. Well, the group's in North Hollywood. Um, and then I have one group in uh, West LA. Um, so I kind of have those as central locations if just anybody wants to participate and just contact me. Um, nice. But then, of course, I, I'll do like private work. Um, so if people are interested in kind of one-on-one uh, type work, then I should be easy to get in contact with and can do some kind of uh, a program from there. But I guess, yeah, it depends where you're located. I mean, right now, I mean, Southern California, I'm willing to travel a lot. Anything I do, like, um, out of state, um, basically would have to be with some kind of a group or club or people bringing me out for a few days. Um, and then so I, I will have, like, some groups um, outside California. Um, but e- easiest way is just to to contact me and can arrange in any Sweet. kind of format. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Yeah. yeah I, yeah. I would but, highly recommend uh, anyone in SoCal to go study with you. Uh-huh. I think that would be an excellent use of your budget. <laughs> uh, I think yeah. you're one of the best, best teachers in Southern California. So oh, great work, you, man. That. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Any other points about education? Education mm. on a budget, I I guess. Yeah. Uh, sorry. So, um, we we covered yeah it. quite a like a lot of broad topics, but I'll say when you're first starting out, um, you, you don't really like worry yet, right? I mean, later you can think about it, but it's it's too early to think about like, is this tree good? Is this tree not good? Um, 
like, oh, I should use this technique because some professional said. You're just building the foundation for your knowledge, just getting an idea of what things are about, just basic concepts and bonsai. And with that kind of perspective, I mean, there's so many resources you can learn from. I mean, it could be your local club, um, just online bonsai blogs. I mean, even like the YouTube channels from some of the more kind of casual enthusiasts, it probably can still get a new hobbyist up to speed, just getting an idea of like, well, just some concepts and bonsai. And you can just progress from there. What you were saying about finding in-person um, or uh, some kind of teacher, um, really great recommendation because to kind of expedite your learning, if you can see material that has been developed well or is in a much uh, further state of maturity, um, it really gets you thinking in terms of, well, how did they make that tree? Um, what were some of the processes employed? Um, and that you can benefit basically from other people's experience and, and expedite uh, that learning pathway. Um, so kind of there's definitely more than one approach to learn. I would say not just one way is going to be the right way, uh, but definitely be open minded. And just if you're serious, right, then you can constantly seek new resources and just and just don't take information for granted, right? You have to be I like to say like an active learner where um, it's not just this guy said something, so it's true. And now I'm a puppet of this teacher and I will repeat what he says. It's like, why, why are they doing this? And, and to understand that is then to improve your understanding in bonsai and, and you can kind of further your skill sets from there. <clears throat> Solid, man. Solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would say you should just make it happy happen with education. You know, if you have to yeah. sleep in the back of your truck or whatever to go to a bonsai intensive, like yeah. I've definitely yeah. done that before, and I would highly recommend yeah. it if you're just starting out. And then in the future, you'll probably have more budget and you can spend more money and be more comfortable. But make it happen. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um. Cool. Let's, let's talk a little bit more about trees. So mm -hmm. when it comes to trees, I guess my thoughts would be, I really think it's a good idea for someone to put money into trees. And so far we're not doing very good in saving a whole <laughs> lot of budget, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 I kind of, I kind of feel like you should probably buy maybe mm -hmm. just a few high quality trees that mm -hmm. will really push you and make sure that you work on them during the proper time and proper season. And you really try your best to make those, make that material into something great. Mm -hmm. um, other than that, I mean, I think that you can start uh, another good recommendation, I think personally, but maybe not for everybody, it would be to start growing things from a very early age if you are on yes. a budget and, and yeah. a younger person. Yeah. So, uh -huh. Seed cutting and air layer. I think that is absolutely a way to go. Grow yeah. some trunks with some nice nabari mm -hmm. and then have a few other trees that are a little further along in the process. I think it's good to have some variety. You're going to learn yeah. from both, both types of trees. Um, but mm -hmm. I would definitely buy some nice stuff and then start some, some cheap stuff, <laughs> which will be yeah. great yeah. in time <laughs> and with a lot of effort. Yeah. Yeah, definitely agree on those points. It's it's really good to have 
uh, trees in different stages of development. Uh, because of the reality, if you're starting every material from a very early stage of development, right, some kind of air layer cutting, seedling, whatever, I mean, there are periods in that tree's development that you are just letting that tree grow. And and it's just that's just the reality. It's like not exciting, no <laughs> fancy technique or work. It's just, I mean, th- there will be some guidance in that process, right? You're directing the tree to grow in a way you want, but the intervals for work can be like ridiculously spaced apart. Like maybe I only, like say you're growing primary branches on the tree and you have like, say like a five inch trunk, something like a decent size. I mean, you probably at least want your primary branches to be an an inch, maybe inch and a half that first segment. Um, so it has some kind of sustamp- substantive weight, um, looks interesting on the tree. Um, so definitely I see uh, hobbyists get into pitfalls where they're just so focused on that. I need this tree now. I want to make it faster. And they try to expedite the process. Um, but you just end up curbing the future potential of the tree. Um, and you just can end up, say, with like crappy branches, no structure, um, and then the quality of the tree just greatly diminishes over time. So having trees at different stages of development um, is good. So at least you have less of that urgency, like, oh, I have to do something to this. Um, but of course, you still should kind of understand, like, you know, what what you're doing. Don't just cut your tree or whatever by default. Um, yeah, I mean, when I, I started out, I remember my my first I would say like my first three trees I went to, um, uh, one was San Gabriel nursery, uh, kind of long time, a nursery, in my place I'm actually wearing their hundredth anniversary shirt right now. Maybe it says, um, yeah, <laughs> <San Gabriel laughs> yeah they had nice. that event like two weeks ago. And, um, um, and so I bought, um, what was it? Oh, it was like a root over rock tribe. They actually sold that tree. I don't have that tree anymore. Um, but I also went to another nursery in, in LA as a house of bonsai. And I got a $15, basically ficus cutting and, uh, and another like a juniper in a one gallon pot. Uh, the juniper, I'm just like turning it into Niwaki now. So I didn't even develop <laughs> as bonsai, but I just, but the ficus I, I have and, um, and, and I've been, I kind of show the progression on my website. Um, so I have like a few shohin trees that I just made completely from nothing, just from cutting. But but it really, it took like 10 years just to get, get them to now I'm finally beginning that refinement. Um, so a lot of those intermediate stages, like I was just growing trunks and branches, setting those kind of core features in the tree. Um, so kind of not exciting work. Um, but if you're doing bonsai in the long run, it's really nice to have these projects on the side because, I mean, as long as you care and work on them, I mean, they will always get better. And it's very satisfying to see something you've just made and grown yourself. But yeah, if you can, getting some nicer trees in the mix as well. It's in a sense good if you can work on like refined trees because there's some kind of and this is like how it was I felt when I was apprenticing, where you learn the why, it, once you start understanding why a certain tree is good, you can sort of like reverse engineer that and to think about, well, what did somebody have to do 10 years ago 
to get this tree to such an estate right now that I can do such and such uh, work on it. So seeing different stages of development, right, is is really good um, to, of course, for your own collection and to develop your skills. Uh, just because of the scope of progression in bonsai spans so much time that if you can get trees at all those respective intervals, then you can kind of simultaneously learn and develop everything at once. Um, yeah. Great points. Yeah. Yeah. Great. If you have trees in different stages, learn, mm -hmm. they're very much different skills often like refinement as opposed to growing primary branches or trunk or nabari. Some of them, they definitely overlap and just generally working on trees is good, but I think it, it's just a great idea to have trees in all areas. So I'm glad you agree there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think, uh, one way of obtaining trees at a, without, uh, or on a budget is, uh, mm -hmm. through Yamadori or urban Yamadori. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I think collecting in the, the local neighborhood is a great way to get started. I feel like, uh, you know, often no cost or very low cost. I do think mm -hmm. that, um, you should get comfortable with, with talking with people and asking them if they are, you know, if they <laughs> are interested in that particular landscaping tree in their yard still, or just asking yeah, for permission. Yeah. And, um, yeah. often I think offering a little bit of money is a good idea just yeah, to make the conversation yeah. a little bit easier mm -hmm. and just make it not so one-sided. So you're just taking something from somebody, but I think yeah, it's just a, a yeah. great way to get experience and not have to spend a lot of money on trees. Start, start digging <laughs> uh, <laughs> urban Yamadori up or trees yeah. in, in the local neighborhood. Yeah. Cause if you just go on like Craigslist, you can see people just like wanting to remove hedges and stuff. And, and, and sometimes they'll be like, whatever it could be junipers, boxwoods and any species. Um, and sometimes it's worthwhile. I mean, you can, I mean, cause for them, it's like, they're trying to get rid of the hedges. So for them, like they, they should kind of be paying you in a sense. So they think they're getting a great deal. And then you feel like you're getting a great deal. Cause maybe you dug up like a 50 plus year old tree, which is kind of those that age attributes, right? You can't develop yourself. Um, and so that's kind of like a win-win, like both parties are happy. Um, so definitely worthwhile to do some like leg work and, and searching around. Um, yeah, it just do doesn't hurt to ask. And of course, be like uh, respectful and, and courteous when you're asking uh, landowners and property owners. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's a whole skill in itself, just talking mm -hmm. with people having the confidence <laughs> to go up to them, explain uh -huh. to them what you're doing, have yeah. them not think that you're a total weirdo and just be <laughs> super friendly when you do it <laughs> so yeah, that hopefully yeah. they're willing to allow you to dig up that tree. Mm -hmm. Most definitely. Mm -hmm.